Welcome to my new r slash podcast, where you can listen to the best Reddit stories, now available on Spotify. Spotify isn't just the world's leading platform for music. It's also the best place to listen to podcasts like this one. You can find podcasts on every topic imaginable. Movies, cooking, technology, and, of course, funny Reddit stories. And if you like to listen to me on your long commutes, you can download episodes to your phone to listen anywhere. You can also share what you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations with social platforms like Instagram. And for all you choosing beggars out there, I've got good news. You can do this all for free. You can find me by searching r slash in the Spotify app or by browsing podcasts in the Your Library tab. Drop a follow so you never miss one of my podcasts, which come out every other day. Now, let's dive into the podcast. Welcome to r slash Am I the Butthole? Where we get to judge other people. Our first Reddit post is from Resident Occasion. Am I the butthole for firing an employee after his parents died? I'm the VP of sales at a software company, and one of our sales development reps' parents passed away at the beginning of April. Sadly, they were involved in a car crash and both lost their lives. Now, the employee in question is very young, a 22-year-old guy who has been with us for about 10 months now. He's a great employee, and we were thinking about promotions in the next six months for him. His job is a high-paying one for a new grad, about 90k with commissions and base, so we expect a lot from this position. Because of the accident, we let him take a one-month paid leave of absence from work, and he's returned a few weeks ago, and his performance is severely lacking. He's super unmotivated, not cold calling, and he hasn't been reaching out enough to prospects for the last two to three weeks since he's come back. Our whole management team has noticed this and we decided to let him go because we feel like he'd need months and months to be able to produce again and we can't just wait that long. We called him into a meeting on Friday afternoon and gave him the bad news. He was very calm and rude about it told us to go F ourselves, and got up and went to his desk, grabbed a few things, and left. I thought this was very, very unprofessional and extremely rude. I told my boyfriend about all this, and he said myself and my management team are a bunch of buttholes and pricks with no hearts. So, am I the butthole? Let me hear your thoughts down in the comments because OP got destroyed in the comments of this thread. Update. Holy cow, this blew up. I know this was sucky of me now. And I reached out to him to see how he's holding up. He's staying at his girlfriend's place and she's supporting him a lot right now. I offered to get my headhunter friend in touch with him when he's ready and he accepted. OP, <laughs> what happened to this guy is literally what happened to every single superhero ever. You basically gave this guy an origin story. This guy's gonna go off to become Fired Man, who goes around setting fire to butthole bosses like you who fire all their employees. Our next Reddit post is from Pause96. I'm the dad of a 25-year-old young woman who I love very much. I've been able to have a good relationship with my daughter and I enjoy my time with her, but there's one thing about her that would give many people pause. She is a diagnosed sociopath. She exhibited odd, disturbing behavior at a young age. And after a serious incident of abuse towards her younger sister, I realized she needed professional help. Throughout her elementary years, she struggled heavily, getting in lots of trouble in school for lying, cruelty, and all other types of misbehaviors. 
With an enormous amount of therapy and support, her bad behavior was minimized as she grew older. She received an antisocial personality disorder diagnosis at 18, and I had suspected it for long prior. After her aggressive behavior was tamed, her following years were much more fruitful. She's law-abiding, has a decent job and a good education, and has many good friendships and admirers. Especially male admirers. She is very, very charming and adept at attracting guys and maintaining their interest. She uses that old dating guide, The Rules, like a Bible. She currently has a boyfriend of about a year and a half who's crazy about her and who I have a very strong relationship with. We live in the same area and spend time together regularly. He is a great guy, very kind, funny, and intelligent. But I doubt she loves him. We've had some very honest, in-depth discussions about her mental health since her diagnosis, and she's been open with me that she doesn't feel love or empathy towards anyone, even family. When she acted very sad and broken up over the death of one of her closest friends at the funeral, she confessed to me privately that it was all a put-on, and that she felt pretty neutral about the whole thing. She's also stated that she has never once felt guilty about anything she's ever done and doesn't know what guilt feels like. While she enjoys being around her boyfriend and is sexually attracted to him, I highly doubt she feels much of anything towards him love-wise. Her boyfriend, who might propose soon, has no idea about her diagnosis. And she's been very upfront with me that she has no plans to ever tell him, thinking it'll scare him away. I've made it clear to her that she needs to tell him the truth before they marry. That he has the right to know and consider it. Or, I will. To which she always responds, I know you wouldn't dare. I actually would. I really like and respect this young man and would feel awful keeping this secret from him and letting him walk into a marriage without this piece of knowledge. I'm not trying to sabotage my daughter's future. Maybe her boyfriend's love of her personality and other aspects is enough that it won't end the relationship. It's his decision to make, but he deserves all the facts. Someday, he's bound to find out she's a bit off. It can't be kept a secret forever. So, am I the butthole? Man, OP, this is the most ethically complicated Am I the Butthole post I've ever read. You kind of have a moral obligation to say something, and you kind of have a moral obligation to not say anything. So, <laughs> I'm going to give you a middle-of-the-road 3 out of 5 buttholes because, honestly, you're screwed either way. Viewers, what do you think? Let me know down in the comments. Should he tell the guy or should he keep it a secret? One thing I know for certain is that if I were about to marry a diagnosed sociopath, I wish someone would tell me. Our next Reddit post is from My Dog Is My God Zero. I'm a 28 year old male and my fiance is a 27 year old female. We've been together for four years, engaged for six months. I also have a seven-year-old lab mix who is the second greatest dog in existence behind Hugo. On Saturday, my fiancé had a bachelorette party at home. I stayed with my parents, but I left the dog with her because she likes having him there. However, I made sure to tell her to put the dog in our bedroom once the party gets going. 5 a.m. on Sunday, I get a frantic call that something's wrong with the dog. She was drunk. So I told her to get a taxi and go to the emergency vet clinic. When I got there, she looked like she hadn't stopped crying for hours and she couldn't even speak. 
Two of her friends were there, so they told me my dog is alive, but not well. I felt sorry for her for an entire 10 minutes while waiting for the doctor. But then, the doctor told me my dog ingested large amounts of alcohol and chocolate edibles. The girls apparently thought it would be cool to leave everything out on short coffee tables, leave the dog to wander around instead of putting him in our bedroom, and then get wasted and not notice he was going to town with the booze and edibles. When we got home, I told my fiancé to pack and get out of my house and my life. I told her to tell her guests the wedding is off and I'll tell mine. She was shocked, but she took her things and left. Two hours later, I get bombarded by messages on Messenger, WhatsApp, by her sister's brother, brother's wife, her mom, her friends, telling me that I'm insane to do this to her after four years. They started off defending her, but it quickly turned into insulting me. The logical thing for me to do was look for comfort in my friends and family. Nope. They all effing agree. My mom said, well, it was a mistake. She didn't do it on purpose. Besides, the dog didn't die. Lucky me, right? My dog didn't effing die. My sister was appalled that I canceled the wedding over that. And even my best man said I might have overreacted. Yes, our relationship has had ups and downs, but it mostly worked fine. But I am so disgusted at my fiancé that I can't even imagine looking her in the eye, let alone spending my whole life with her. She isn't effing 17, she's 27. By the way, this isn't the first dumb thing she's done. She likes to text while driving. She always leaves stuff on the electric stove, like kitchen towels, the cutting board, etc. Even though she's turned on the wrong burner and burnt whatever was on it several times in the past, and similar dangerous things. It's not something I hold against her in the sense that I would ever mention it in a fight, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried that she might end up killing herself or someone else. For example, my dog. I'm 99% sure I'll stand by my decision, but am I really a butthole? Literally nobody is on my side and I have no idea what to think. Look OP, I'm gonna give you two out of five buttholes here. Because, let's be honest, you knew she's a negligent person. So, if you give an animal to a negligent person, and then that negligent person is negligent, well, that's kinda on you, isn't it? But, on the other hand, you can't be forced to marry someone you don't want to marry. So, if you decide not to marry someone for any reason, including no reason, well, that's up to you. No one else really has a say in it because deciding to marry someone is a deeply personal choice. That being said, I think it's kind of smart to cut and run. To be honest, if my partner was that clueless, I'd be constantly terrified if I ever had kids. Would she text and drive with the kid in the backseat? Would she leave things on the stove when the kid is taking a nap? I mean, that's really dangerous. Viewers, let me know what you think down in the comments. Is OP a butthole in this situation? Our next Reddit post is from Patient Artist. I was with my ex for seven years. At the time, she had a two-year-old, and when we split, her daughter was nine years old. She called me dad pretty quickly, plus we all lived together. I thought we'd become a family proper through marriage eventually, but obviously things didn't pan out, and we split. It was amicable, and we're still friends. Her daughter is 14 now, and still calls me dad. 
My ex hasn't started dating again, but I'm engaged to my soon-to-be wife. We all get along, but my fiancé doesn't like that the kiddo calls me dad. I'm not her dad, biologically or otherwise. But I was a father figure for seven years, and even beyond this, I still kept involved in her life. My fiancé wants me to put the kibosh on this because it makes her uncomfortable. We want to start a family of our own soon, and my fiancé wants my undivided attention on our child. I can see her point and where she's coming from, although I'm indifferent to the whole dad situation. If she calls me dad, whatever, and if she doesn't, then also whatever. I'm not her dad, but it's ultimately not up to me or my ex or my fiancé what she calls me. It's up to her. But I must relent to my fiancé's wishes because my family should be prioritized, right? I'm going to have a sit down with my ex and her daughter and split ties to focus on my own family. But would I be a butthole? I'd still maintain contact because I'm very much still connected to my ex and her daughter. I just want the, quote, dad to stop to avoid friction with my eventual wife. OP, I'm sad to say that you're getting 5 out of 5 buttholes on this one. You divorce partners, you don't divorce kids. I mean, try to look at this through the eyes of that little girl. For all intents and purposes, you are her dad and you have been for the last, what, 12, 14 years or whatever? If you tell her not to call you dad, that's basically you saying, Listen kid, I don't care about the relationship that we've built for over a decade. The only reason why I let you call me dad is because I was nailing your mom. So see ya, because I'm gonna go have a real daughter now. Like, oh my god, are you trying to give this little girl attachment issues? Honestly, maybe you are better off saying this to this little girl. Because if you and your fiancé don't see a problem with this, then maybe she's better off without you. Our next Reddit post is from Serene John. My ex and I split five years ago now. We have a daughter who's 16, a son who's 13, and a daughter who's 5. He's always been a good dad, and we split 50-50 custody. Essentially, the kids one week at my house, one week at his house. After my divorce, I reconnected with a high school boyfriend and fell head over heels in love again. He's in the military, but hadn't had to move in years. We married two years ago. A year ago, he got orders to move to Texas from where we all are in California. My older two kids were not happy at all and didn't want to move, while the baby didn't really express a preference. I approached my ex and told him the situation. I said, I know the situation sucks, but we'd foot the bill for every trip to him on holidays, breaks, summers, etc. He blew his top and said, absolutely not. I wouldn't take his kids away and said he'd see me in court. The judge ended up ruling in his favor and I was awarded summers and every other holiday. I was absolutely devastated. I moved and I've barely seen the kids since. They came at Christmas for a week and it was tense the whole time. The other kids, especially my daughter, are short with me on FaceTime while the baby gets distracted and can't chat much. My daughter has said I chose a man over her and that she wants nothing to do with me. While my son won't talk about it, but I can tell he's angry. I've asked my ex to talk about it and he basically said I chose to leave. It's my fault and he's not getting involved in our issues. So let me have it Reddit. Am I the butthole? Yes, absolutely yes. How do you not see it? <laughs> your daughter's right. You literally did choose a man over your children. 
How are they supposed to feel? You literally want to abandon your cake and eat it too. So look, lady, if you want to run off with your new boy toy, then that's your right, technically. But you can't expect your family to be thrilled that you left them just because you're really horny. So you're getting the full five out of five buttholes. Our next Reddit post is from Chicken Ticka on Toast. My mom left my dad when I was 17, I'm 29 now, and had a new boyfriend literally straight away. We all suspected that she was cheating with this dude beforehand, but there was never any proof and she even to this day refuses to admit it. She had two more kids with this guy. When my mom and dad broke up, I moved out to live with my dad who had moved back in with his parents. The major reason for this was because my mom told me to leave as I kept fighting with her new dude. I really did not want to deal with a new guy in my mom's life and I was really upset that she didn't give a flip about how much pain my dad was in. When she told me to leave, something in me changed and I'm still unable to forgive her. This solidified because my 14 year old sister stayed with my mom for a year and then begged to come and live with my dad because she hated it so much at my mom's place. And my sister and mom were close, so for my sister to feel that way, it must have been bad. Since I was 18, my grandparents kept pushing me to start a business because I liked to tinker and I'd built a few specialized tools for a niche construction industry that my dad was in and they saw potential in me. They gave me a lot of money as an investment. Actually, they remortgaged their house. That's how much they believed in me. And basically, I majorly lucked out and managed to land some national contracts at 24 that turned into more than a few millions of dollars over a few months when the business boomed. The profit trajectory has risen since then, and basically, I'm living a life I never thought I would be for a schmuck like me. I moved my dad, sister, and grandparents out to the East Coast a couple years back, and we've started a whole new life. I'm surrounded by people who see and saw the best in me and I'm grateful so much because I was seriously messed up after my mom blew our family apart. For the last couple years or so, my mom has been on my case to reunite with her. She is getting increasingly more insistent that I go visit her and her boyfriend and kids and keeps trying to guilt trip me because my sister has a much more privileged life now and my younger two half siblings don't. She keeps telling me that even if I don't forgive her, I should look out for the kids as they're innocent in all this. Am I the butthole because day to day I have no interest in helping her or her family? In my opinion, she made her bed and she can lay in it. But the kilt eats me alive sometimes. I just can't forgive her though. You are absolutely not the butthole. You're too close to it to see it clearly, but from an outsider, it's really obvious what's going on. She doesn't want a relationship with you. She wants a relationship with your money. OP, go live your life and congratulations on your success. There's no reason why you should let that ungrateful leech back into your life. Zero out of five buttholes. That was r slash am I the butthole and this is r slash puppy bloopers. And remember, if you want to support Yugo, you can buy the official Yugo plushie in the link down in the description. But we'd foot the bill for every trip to him on holidays, breaks, summers, etc. Yugo, come on man, do I interrupt you while you're playing or eating or whatever it is you do all day? What do you got there, Pooch? Just a raccoon? Did you kill the raccoon? Oh no, it's death crimes! 
Go get it. I said, I know the situation sucks, but we'd put the bill to... Uh, pooch. Come on, poochums. Do you have to do that right now? Let me make it to this vid, bud. Just let me get to this vid. Go get it. Dog, it's dead, man. You killed it like a month ago. It's dead. You, it's done. Dog. Dog. Gimme. Gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. God, you're strong for a puppy. Dog. I thought you were just done squeaking. Now you're back to barking. Yes? Do you need something? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> You're so cute. You're so cute. Oh my god. No, you can't have that. You can't have it. Dog. Dog. <clears throat> I said, I know the situation sucks, but we'd foot the bill for... Dog, I just started! I literally just started. I gave you like 30 minutes to settle down. And now you're back, begging for attention. Sometimes I really do think you do this on purpose, you know that? You're just jealous. You're like a jealous girlfriend. But you're a puppy. We'll be back with more r slash content right after this short break. Welcome to r slash let's not meet, where OP finds out that a stranger has been living inside of her walls. Our first Reddit post is from tbug411. This past Monday, my coworkers and I returned to our hotel from a day of work out in the field. Rebecca and I walked to our rooms, and as we stood outside of our rooms, I opened mine and I saw someone in the bathroom. I said, hello? Nobody answered. My first instinct was that it was the cleaning lady in there for some reason, and then I saw my bag with my clothes in her hands. I said to my coworker, there's a woman in my room. Then I asked the woman, what do you think you're doing with my stuff? It gets a little fuzzy here because I can't remember everything I said and what she said, but she kept mumbling about how her key still worked, how it still worked and that's how she got in. I was in shock and she was obviously very flustered having been caught mid robbery. She dropped my bags and fumbled around with her purse and a white plastic bag. By this time, my coworker was behind me watching all the insanity unfold. This woman was scrambling and walking towards the door and I said, what's in the bag? Thinking it's probably my stuff and so she said, no, no, it's just my things. It's just my things. I'll show you. And so she did. I looked and I didn't see anything of mine and so since I'm obviously in shock at this time, I let her leave. I went into my room and it's been ransacked. I did a quick look around to see if anything had been taken. All of my electronics were still there. Then I went into my bathroom and saw my underwear, my bikini, and my clothes shoved into my own bags randomly. Even my passport was shoved in there. Then I looked on the counter and I saw that she got into my medication. I'm not sure what was going through my head at that moment other than I wanted it back so I ran out the door to go find her. I ran to the laundry room downstairs and out to the sides of the hotel and I didn't see her. 
I realized I was never going to find her, so my coworker and I went down to the lobby to tell them what happened and then we called the police. We went back up to my room to wait and I noticed that there is a metal bat on my bed, a little larger than one of those novelty wooden bats you can get at a baseball game, but there's also a flashlight at the end. She must have left it behind in her hurry. She also left behind a necklace that must have fallen out of her bag when she was scrambling with mine. I was mostly freaking out at this point because I thought she'd gotten away with my medication that I need. The police got there and took our statements and looked around the room as well. One thing that I noticed was that there were bits of drywall in the sink and I pointed that out to the cops, but none of us really knew where it came from. We started looking at the door and the windows to see if she'd pried her way in somehow, but there was nothing. So we kind of just went with the idea that she had a spare key or something, even though the hotel front desk was adamant that there's no way that could be. The officer that came brought two more officers as backup because they thought the woman might still be in the vicinity. But after our statements were taken, there was nothing else they could really do, so they left. I sat down to finally make some calls to tell people, and as I'm on the phone, I'm thinking about the drywall in the sink, and it still didn't make sense to me. So I'm on the phone and looking at the drywall and the mirror on the wall right above it, and then it hit me. I got my coworker and asked her to help me pull at the mirror on the wall, and we took the mirror down. And there's a hole there just big enough for a desperate junkie to squeeze through. I asked Brian and Rebecca if I should call the cops again to let them know that I found this and my boss said, there's still two cop cars in the parking lot. So I went down to tell them and the female cop kind of rolled her eyes, but the young guy said, I'll come check it out. They both came back up, looked in the hole, and found a pillow, blankets, cigarettes, clothes, toothbrushes. This woman had been living in the wall behind my mirror for God knows how long. She had access to me in my room at all times. I know it might be hard to picture, there was a crawl space about two feet wide in between the two of the rooms. One of the officers called the original officer to come back and take pictures of this. She explained to him what's going on and all I hear over the radio is no effing way. He comes back, takes pictures, and his mind is just as blown as the rest of us. Obviously, we packed up and left immediately. What's even crazier is she has probably been there a long time. The last time we stayed at this hotel, I would randomly smell cigarette smoke, and I assumed someone was smoking in their bathroom and it was traveling through the vents. But nope, a junkie was smoking just on the other side of my mirror. She had access to other rooms too. The holes in the walls were from a renovation, and the hotel hadn't properly patched and just covered up with mirrors. She could have been hanging out in people's rooms when they were gone. Anyway, this was insane and I'm taking a little time off. And here's a picture of the hole in the wall. And for those who are listening and not watching, sure enough, I'm looking at a rectangular hole in the wall that's maybe about, I guess, a foot by two feet. It'd be a tight squeeze, but a skinny junkie could definitely fit through that thing. 
<laughs> so the next time you're staying at a hotel or a motel and you can't sleep because you're having nightmares about someone living in your walls, just remember you have r slash to thank. Our next Reddit post comes from Ds94. I was 13 years old at the time, now 22, and on vacation with my parents in Turkey. We were in an all-inclusive hotel and enjoying the holiday. The hotel was full of tourists from different countries. There was this one guy, around 20, who was staring at me for some time. I felt uncomfortable and asked him how he was doing. Wrong choice. The next few days, everywhere I was, he also suddenly appeared. Not flirting, just lurking for hours and watching me. He had a really strange vibe around him and I felt I shouldn't be alone with him. Now, I was still young, so my parents didn't want to leave me alone in a foreign country, so he couldn't bother me. But one night there was entertainment in the hotel, which became boring to me after some time. I told my parents I wanted to go to my hotel room and I would see them in the morning. I left and walked to the elevator. What I didn't know was that the guy who was watching me for days saw me leaving and he had followed me. When I saw him also coming in the elevator, I was in great fear. He looked at me silently with a sinister smile. This is it, I thought. Rape, assault, or maybe even worse. And just before the doors of the elevator were closing, Someone stuck his boot between it in order to prevent the doors from closing. I'm not kidding. All I could see was a boot. The doors opened and it was my dad. He saw that the creepy guy was leaving at the exact time I left and didn't trust it. He looked the guy in the eye and said, hello. My dad took me to my hotel room. To this day, I'm so glad for the rescue because I don't know what would have happened if he didn't. I know that this was posted on r slash let's not meet, but this is the greatest r slash dad reflexes story I've ever heard. Our next Reddit post is from KennyC5576. One time, I went to the bar with one of my friends. I just turned 21, so I haven't been to many bars up to that point. My friend was drinking on the way to the bar, so he was already pretty drunk when we got there. When I sat at the bar, a cute girl came and talked to me and my friend. She said her name was Candace, and I noticed she had really, really bright red hair. I assumed she dyed it. It was pretty, but unnatural. Anyways, this girl was flirting with me and my friend. She could tell my friend was already very drunk. To be honest, I played along like I was drunk already too since it seemed to be working for my friend. I didn't know if she was just trying to get free drinks so I told her we didn't have much money. She offered to buy us drinks. She kept buying us drinks and I started to get confused as to who she liked between me and my friend. My friend went to the bathroom. Before he came back, he was kicked out by the bouncers. He was too drunk. Candace and I went outside with him. She kept telling him to go home with her. He was so out of it, he could barely answer her. I told her he was too drunk and that I couldn't let him go anywhere. I didn't want him to wake up hungover in some random house with no car and no idea what happened. Candace kept pushing it, saying that she would take care of him, but I told her no because I had to stay with him. I was more sober than him. He was my responsibility. 
I told her the only way he was going anywhere was if I tagged along. I assumed she thought I was jealous or cock-blocking, but my friend could barely stand and lost interest in Candace already at that point. She immediately started flirting with me and offered to get my friend a taxi to drive him home and said we could go to her place alone. At this point, I had a few drinks and I was pretty buzzed, so I agreed. We took my friend to the taxi and walked to her car. I slightly stumbled on the way to her car. Wow, you're pretty drunk, huh? She said, smiling as she held onto my arm. Yeah, I said. I don't know why, but I just felt slightly shy and anxious. Everything was just happening too easy for me, so I felt uneasy. We got in her car and drove down the street. Wanna stop at the liquor store and get some more to drink? I'll buy it, so don't worry about paying, she offered. I didn't want to drink any more than I already did. I was already buzzed and wanted to be able to carry myself throughout the rest of the night. Sometimes I made myself look stupid when I'm drunk, so I didn't want to ruin anything with Candace more than I already did earlier with telling her my friend was too drunk. I told her I was already drunk enough, but she insisted. I didn't want to seem lame, so I told her to get me a pint of liquor with some apple juice to chase it. She went in the store and came out with a lot more than just a pint. I assumed she wanted to drink more also, and that's why she got a fifth instead of a pint. On the car ride, we passed the bottle back and forth, but she took tiny sips. I tried to take tiny sips, but she kept passing me the bottle and telling me to drink. I somehow managed to drink all of my apple juice and pretended to drink the bottle by spitting the liquor in the apple juice bottle. I tossed the apple juice bottle full of liquor out the window before she saw it. I didn't want her to know I was acting drunker than I was. She actually believed I was sloppy drunk when I was simply buzzed. I took a couple more sips of liquor and finished the bottle. Throughout the car ride, I called her the wrong name a couple of times to get a reaction out of her. She didn't react to it. She just kept letting me call her Carla without correcting me. For some reason, I thought she lied to me about her name initially. We drove up to her house. I pretended to trip and stumble into her front door. She helped me walk inside by holding me up. She opened her front door, which was unlocked. We walked in her house. She closed her front door and then locked it. I thought that was strange, but assumed she didn't want anyone walking in on us. I told her that I had to use the bathroom. I walked into her bathroom, locked the door, and then looked in the mirror. I just felt strange. I felt like something was off. I felt myself becoming more drunk from finishing the bottle earlier. I turned on the sink to make noise and made myself puke up the liquor I drank. I flushed and went to the sink and started drinking the tap water out of my hands to sober up. I just didn't want to be drunk, but I still wanted to hook up with Candace, so I wanted to pretend to be drunk. I turned the sink off and I could hear her talking to someone. He's drunk as hell. He can barely stand up. You do it. Who is she talking to? And do what? I walked out of the bathroom and into the living room. The moment I stepped into the living room, I saw her walking into another room. All I could see was the back of her head. That strange, very bright red hair go into another room. I didn't see her face or anything. I just saw her kind of walk fast into the room. The living room was pretty dark. 
Hey, where are you going? I slurred like I was drunk. She walked back into the dark living room and up to me. Let's go into my room, she said. I looked at her bright red hair and then into her eyes. They were different. Her face was different. It was another girl with the same hair. That's when I realized it was another girl with the same wig on. It was a wig the whole time. She had changed it with the girl from earlier for whatever reason. My heart felt like it stopped, but I tried to look like I had no idea it was a different girl. I kind of smiled at her and told her I just needed to use the bathroom one more time and told her sorry I was so drunk. She said, it's fine, just hurry up in there. I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I heard her whisper something to someone again. This time, I think I heard a male voice whisper back. I honestly didn't concentrate on listening to exactly what she said. Something sketchy was going on and I had to get out of that house. I opened the bathroom window and jumped straight out of it and ran faster than I have ever ran in my life. I didn't look behind myself or anything. I just ran through the backyard, jumped the fence, ran through someone else's backyard, hit a road, and ran towards the main road. I kept running down the main road until I saw a CVS. I ran into the CVS and stood straight at the front of the store in front of the camera. I called a taxi and went home. I tried to think what happened that night. What was she? Are they planning that night? Why did she tell me a fake name? Why was she trying to get my friend and I so drunk? I thought maybe a robbery, but she kept spending money on us. She kept buying us drinks and even paid for my friend's taxi cab. And mostly, why did she wear a wig that she gave to another girl to wear? Who was she talking to? What did it mean? And what was in that room they tried to lure me into? Edit. The next day after this incident, I went back to the house with a couple of friends to see just what was going on. Nobody was there. No cars, no people, nothing. Just an empty house. I ended up finding out that the house was a summer rental and whoever those people were, they broke into that house and used it for only that night and never came back. This story is bizarre. My mind is spinning with what they possibly could have had in mind. I went through the comments and there's some crazy theories. One user was thinking that they were planning on filming a snuff film. Some users thought they were planning on abducting OP and selling him into the sex trafficking world. A bunch of people thought unwilling organ donor. A really interesting theory, which actually explains the wig, is that the second girl was an underage minor and they were planning on tricking him into sleeping with her so that they could later blackmail him for lots of money. Another person thought that they were planning on drugging him and keeping him drugged for days, possibly weeks, so that they could go to his house, steal all his stuff, and max out his credit cards. And finally, a post from a self-proclaimed private investigator thinks that the most likely explanation was that the guy was planning on raping OP. And the two girls, for whatever reason, were trying to help him. So let me know what you think. Which theory do you think makes the most sense here? Because I'm bewildered. 
Personally, I think the best explanation is that the second girl was a minor because I just can't figure out why else they would want to do the switcheroo with a second girl. And blackmailing him after he did the deed with the minor does kind of make sense because the minor wouldn't have been able to buy drinks at the bar. So was this an elaborate blackmail scheme? I don't know, this is super creepy. That was r slash let's not meet, and the only thing scarier than these stories are these insanely low prices on my merch store. Click the link down in the description to get your very own Yugo plushie.